Welcome back to Roleplay Chat. Welcome to season four. And boy, what a season do you have, do I have for you? <laughs> it's going to be a fantastic season. It's going to be a wonderful time. Just the, you know, the same formula that you're used to, but with, a, you know, a few twists and turns along the way. But I'll leave those twists and turns. Um, I'll leave them as a surprise for when they happen. But yes, yes, season four of Roleplay Chat. And today's episode also happens to be the 100th episode of Roleplay Chat. It's kind of hard to believe that I've been doing this for, you know, almost four years now. Actually, I should probably look at the math. But yeah, almost four years now. And that doesn't include some of the bonus episodes or for some of you, you know, really diehard fans of the show, the Blood and Betrayal campaign diary episodes. That You know, those are kind of quantified as bonus episodes. So yeah, 100 episodes of roleplay chat it is impossible for me to believe and it's it's kind of hard for me to look back and and think of what the show was back then and what it has become and what it's evolved into this wonderful opportunity for me to talk to all kinds of cool and interesting people on the show with different perspectives different experiences and different kind of baseline preferences as it relates to role-playing games so that's kind of what i'm going to continue to have in store for you for season four it's going to be a fantastic time and i can't wait to take you with me for the ride now for today's episode today's episode i'm joined by joe from the one shot mill to talk about running writing and playing in one shot adventures this is a topic that we covered quite some time ago on the show with emil and Nils from the Double DM podcast. And I think it's time that we revisit it. Just because, you know, my style of running one-shots has changed a little bit, and I'm sure Joe comes from a place where he's running and creating a lot of one-shot content. So I think it's going to be a fun topic to return to. I hope you enjoy the conversation, and I'd encourage you to stick around. At the end of the episode, I have a little surprise, a little, a little extra bit of content for the listeners to help celebrate the 100th episode of Roleplay Chat. So, listen to the conversation with Joe coming up just now about one-shots, and then after that, there's about a 10-15 minute uh, special content celebrating the 100th episode of the show. Let's dive right into it. Hello, 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 and welcome to Roleplay Chat. I am Matt, a game master who cannot stop talking about role-playing games. Welcome, one and all, to Season 4 of Roleplay Chat. It's been a long time coming. I hope everybody had a good Christmas, a good New Year's, had happy holidays, and rested, played lots of games, and spent time with people, places, and things that they love. Uh, let's get right into today's conversation. I'm so excited to uh, revisit the topic of one-shots. It's been something that I've been hoping to talk about because I love them so much. And I think the last time I talked about one-shots, it was with uh, Emil and Nils from the Double DM podcast like two years ago or something like that. It's, it's been a long time. Uh, Emil, if you're listening, come at me on Twitter. Tell me. I forget. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so one-shots, and who better to join me to talk about one-shots than Joe from the One-Shot Mill. Joe is a tabletop RPG writer, a tabletop RPG game designer, 
and an overall lover of adventure. Joe, welcome to the show. Why don't you say hello to everybody listening? Uh, hello to everybody listening. Um, very excited to be here. Uh, fan of the show, and, and hopefully, hopefully I can bring some value to it. Of course, of course you will. Of course you will. So, Joe, yeah, I'm I'm really happy you're here. I'm I'm pumped to talk about one shots because personally, I think one shots are the unsung hero of tabletop role playing games. It's especially lately. I feel like there are a lot of systems being created out there that are designed intentionally for one shots. There's a lot of adventures, a lot of content out there. I think people are finally tapping in to uh, into what one shots have to offer um but maybe i'm getting ahead of myself why don't we first give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners a little bit more uh, i'd love to know about your tabletop rpg origin story if you will and maybe you could dabble in a little bit of the systems and games that you like to run and play sure sure i my my origin story uh would start with uh dungeons and dragons kind of a, a mashup what some might consider an unholy mashup of uh, Beck Me and old advanced Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Moldvay Dungeons and Dragons. I had a group of buddies that I ran with, and we mixed all of that together. Um, I'm not sure what you would call what came out. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, we played a lot of that. I played a little bit of, at the time, uh, Star Wars. It was Westin Games. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I think there's multiple editions of that, but it, it would be whatever coincided time-wise kind of with with the, the Back Me run. Then I went through, a, you know, a long, long dry period all the way to fifth edition. I do remember, you know, thinking about it maybe um, college years or something past that. But at some point, I I picked up fourth edition just to kind of look at at the bookstore. And I've no ill will to, to anyone who loves it, but it, it, it I kind of got the vibe that, oh, it's it sort of turned into a video game now. Mm. But then I came back again looking at uh, fifth edition, and I think a lot of that, you know, had to do with just seeing, you know, Critical Role gaining popularity, and it just brought it all back. It's, it's I, I, I still wanted to play it, and all I had to do was find, you know, some friends to, to con into playing it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So that that's kind of been your run as far as your 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 styles and, and the way you play. Why don't you, you shed some light on that for, for me and for the listeners? What what kind of game master or player do you consider yourself to be? I I, I mean that's such a uh a, a, a tough question, I think, because I think <laughs> I, I think um, you know, so much of the the discourse about RPGs kind of gets framed in um, you know, uh, polar opposite terms, like do you like yeah. mechanics or do you like storytelling? What I like is you know the the players kind of glued to their seats and and wanting to know what happens next. And I think you could you could probably make an argument that that leans towards storytelling, but but I really think I, I really personally love mechanics, and I think kind of a strict observance of mechanics, uh, rules like you know the rules of spell casting. If you really pay attention to them and make an effort to follow them, and then still tell your story within them, it can spawn a special kind of creativity that doesn't come with just sort of hand waving things. So, 
I, I love it all. And I'm, I'm sorry. Cause I think that's probably could come off as a cop out, but it, but it, no, no, it is the truth. And I do whatever system you play. I, I do think the, the concept of three pillars, I don't even know if that's an original D and D idea, but the idea of sort of role-playing NPC interaction, exploration and combat, all that mixed together. Anything I write, I like to have all three because I, I do think okay. that balance brings entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're more of the middle of the spectrum for all the things. Yes, as, as boring as possible. No, I, I don't <laughs> think that's boring at all. I think that's really exciting. And, you know, that's that's an opinion I've always had, too. Despite what people might think on Twitter, I'm always, like, tweeting out these polls where there's only two options because th that's what creates the most conversation on twitter but i couldn't agree more with you joe the the game is a spectrum and each thing that we co we converse about lives on this spectrum of of one towards the other and i think too much of one or the other is never really good mm -hmm. you always have to kind of have the balance it out in percentages maybe but anyway yeah i that's that's great because i think you're going to round me out because I'm the kind of person who likes to hand wave a lot of things. Not because I don't see the fun in those things, but I find it more fun to be a little bit more impromptu. And I, I can allow myself to be more impromptu if I tell myself that I don't have to worry too much about the rules. <laughs> yep. But, you know, if I can keep it all in my head, I think normally I would default back to the rules I've written. But, uh, but anyway, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. So then with that... And actually, you know what? Before we keep going, why don't you let folks know a little bit about where they can find you on on the internet before we before we keep going? Sure, I'm at the the one shot mill is my handle on Twitter. Um, I do have an account on Mastodon that I I don't use as much. I've just kind of out of fear. I I migrated like many, but uh, that seems to have subsided, and I can really only handle one at a time. So it's it's pretty much Twitter or bust. All right, all right. And the one shot mill, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a place where you're going to be creating adventures and publishing content. Absolutely. For the Absolutely. most part, that are one shots, right? That's that's kind of the the idea. Absolutely. I think um, you know I'd love to to work with others as well. And when that happens, it might be kind of a different kind of content. But I I very much like uh, one shots. Um, as as same as you, and I can see doing that for the foreseeable future. The only nuance would be uh, some will be like one on one, and some will be for uh, a full batch of players. Cool, very cool, very cool. All right, so then let's do it. Let's talk about one shots. I'm excited. I'm I'm eager. So the thing that I like to do on the show, Joe, first is to define our terms i have a math background and that's a very math thing to do is to define what we're going to talk about before we talk about it i like to think that a one shot is pretty self-explanatory but you know you, you never really know sometimes the most obvious things can be a little difficult to kind of pin down so if i can throw you the microphone first and then i'll try to supplement your definition when i say a one shot what does that mean to you I, I think, uh, you know, probably the biggest factor being time and to a large extent, you could pick the time, but I would say anywhere between two and a half 
three and a half hours. And you know that that completes the adventure. And, and for me, I also want to include those those things, NPC interaction, exploration, and combat. I want to have a little bit of all of that. And at at the end of the day, I, I want the players to feel like they've accomplished something. Maybe not complete success, but I do like them to have have some sense of success. I think I agree with that. I. I think three hours is kind of the benchmark that I usually pencil in when I'm planning a one shot. I I don't know how much there how much more there is to add. I I might say that I don't include character creation in that time frame. I think that character creation happens outside of the three hours. You know, the three hours are we're rolling dice in this adventure or in this game. We can maybe talk a little bit about character creation later. So if I forget to, Joe, please remind me. But. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I also think that you know one shots is a very system agnostic terminology. I think oftentimes people might defa- default to Dungeons and Dragons because it is a game that usually is played on the longer scale of time. So we use the terminology one shot to kind of truncate and say no, 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 we're just playing in the in the one night or the one three hour session. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think that the one-shot terminology is system agnostic. It can be used in any system, even the ones that are designed to be played in one sitting. So yeah, for me, it's the terminology used for everybody sitting at the table. We're playing this game. We're rolling dice. We're role-playing. We're doing all that stuff in in one three-hour session. I think when uh, when Emil was Emil and Nils were here and we were talking about one-shots, they had a slightly different interpretation of it where it was like one session regardless of duration. So I think that's valid, but I think if it's, you know, a seven hour session, it's not everybody that's going to play a seven hour session. And if that can be broken down into three, three hour sessions, it's not really a one shot. I, I don't consider it to be that. I think it's really the IRL time um, that matters most here. No, I and I, I think that's really an an interesting point, and I think that goes to you know who who is the audience, and I think I w- when I write them and even when I think about them, I'm thinking about kind of delivering that experience in a three hour time frame. While I know, and I'm sure you know, people who have no problem playing all Saturday if they somehow have the time to do it, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't bother them. But yeah, I, I, it makes sense to think of it in a more uh, constrained time environment, I think, because 12 hours could just be four sessions, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's the kind of the way I see it, too. All right, so I think we don't have to labor the point too much. I think we, we kind of are on the same page about what we mean when we talk about a one-shot. Why don't we just dive right into some of our experiences, then? So I guess I'll, I'll throw it over to you first, Joe. Do you have a favorite memory? from a one shot what was the one shot or what was the memory or were you the player or the game master why don't you describe to us uh your favorite time playing in a one shot or running a one shot yeah that's um that's an easy one and it's it's it may be my favorite uh role playing experience ever and that is the reason that I'm so interested in in making them and it was running them um it kind of turned into a tradition. I I would run them, you know, Christmas for family and it would be like multi-generational, you know, my kids, my sister, 
and my mom. And that is, that's actually the memory of my mom. It all came from her playing a, a cleric that, that peed on a sheep. Uh, and <laughs> the whole, I, I, I don't want to spoil, uh, spoil it because it is a, it's a pre-made adventure, the wild sheep t- chase. I think it's Winghorn Press. Mm. Um, but I'll just say there, you know, there was, there was a point in the adventure where uh, they were trying to smuggle the sheep to safety and they had wolves and I, I think a orc on their tails through a Fandolin-like hey. town. And she was a cleric with these kind of flowing robes and had the sheep hidden under the robes. And I really, you know, it was one of those moments uh, as a dungeon master when you did not anticipate the player's creativity. I thought it was, you know, I thought, well, we were going to have, you know, they're going to get caught, then they're going to get taken to jail, something along those Mm -hmm. lines. And I remember the moment. I mean, it is burned into my my mind, my my mom's face, just kind of learning how to play. This is like an hour to the game. Um, And she had already had kind of those, wait, I can do whatever I want type questions. Uh And uh she looked at me and her eyes just lit up and she said, can I pee on it? And she was so happy. <laughs> she was so joyful in that moment, you know, and, and I was like, absolutely. And uh, I, I came up with some role. I don't even know why I bothered with a role at that point, but like, constitution, <laughs> yeah. can you, can you force it? Can you force it in that moment? And luckily she, she rolled well and that threw the wolves off the scent. And the thing, you know, I think that is, um, an experience that a lot of dungeon masters have, but context, here's my mom who is, is, is never going to be in a campaign, mm-hmm. um, not going to be in the bandwidth and also, um, you know, maybe a little bit limited in terms of physical mobility, stuff like that. And watching her joy, just having this full agency, being on an adventure, getting to do these heroic things and, and really smart, clever thing. That is my, I think, I, I would say my best memory from role playing altogether, and that is why I'm I'm so excited writing these every time because I see them as this joy delivery device uh, that 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 you can give people who don't have the time to game mm-hmm. or, or don't have resources or there's some other um, something else that's stopping them from gaming on the level or in terms of gaming as much as we do. Yeah, that frequency. Yeah, or maybe they just don't care to. You Absolutely. Know, sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, oh, that's a fantastic story. I could only imagine. Like, so you said you you had multi generation. What did the younger folks at the table do when Grandma <laughs> said that? <laughs> I mean, they love it. I mean, my son. <laughs> I mean, it really. And um, aside from like the emotion of it, like it was a really good idea. Like it's one of those yeah, that okay, yeah. like, like has stuck with me for so long. I'm like, so it's also up there in terms of a memory of like my player coming up with something really good. I love that. I love that story so much. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you said a few things that I think we're going to dive into hopefully at some point tonight, but I, I also want to share a story with you. So oh, I, I also love running one shots. And one opportunity, I'm trying to think of a story that maybe I haven't told the listeners before, but uh, there was one one shot that I ran and it was when I had my first, my, my daughter, my first kid, my first child, and she was maybe like eight months old. So, you know, I, 
one of these one of these moments where you don't have as much time as you might like to to run games or play games and i decided i was going to run a one shot with a handful of my friends who played games before but you know our regular game was on hiatus so i was like you know what let's come over we're going to play for 3 4 hours have a really fun little one shot for you guys and i i kind of created this like almost like a an ongoing thread where everybody who wanted to play were part of this guild of thieves and the the guild of thieves had a secret mission tonight and their secret mission was to go into the king's garden and destroy the six um art pieces that the king had the self portraits of the king that the king had in his garden so they you know i i kicked them off right at the front of the garden and i said you know the guards have been distracted go have at it destroy the six pieces like find and destroy the six pieces of artwork that the king has made of himself or has commissioned of himself and get out get out as fast as you can so i had a an actual sand timer on the table i had to say you know we're going to flip this three times by the end of that you know the, the guards have noticed you and you have to make your escape and they just had so much fun and i had so much fun because going into it i didn't even know what the six representations of artwork were going to be but as they were playing and as they were talking i'm coming up with these fun concepts oh one is like a rose bed or you know a bunch of roses and bushes that have been planted in such a such a way that the king has his face there and listening to the ways that my players basically sabotage these things well he's like i'm gonna just like chop off his nose it's gonna be a, the king without a nose in roses it's gonna be hilarious so they did that and then the next thing was uh there was a bard singing a song which was a song of the king and one of the characters who was pretty charismatic one of the players rather who was quite charismatic talked to the bard and convinced him to change some of the lyrics to be like a what's the word you know it can be interpreted in one of two ways so it, it could be interpreted in a nice way but could also be interpreted in a very insulting way towards the king so it, that was kind of funny and, and then they you know they sang it he, he kind of sort of sang it fumbled through singing it together so that was one of my one of my favorite memories and, and that was what kick-started this uh, concept for me was if i don't have time to run games i'm going to run them anyway but i'm going to use this premise of this thieves guild where i'm just going to like have a, a a team of people superimposed into a place and they're going to have their mission statement kind of either written out or delivered to them verbally and that's going to kickstart the game and it kind of makes sense you know it 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 would make sense canonically that if you were part of some kind of secret guild the mission would be delivered to you and you'd have to finish it off in a pretty fast amount of time so i did that for for a while and uh yeah, that that was one of the first one shots that I ran, kind of with this premise, and then I kind of ran, and then I then I took it and ran with it. And I, I, I mean, I that is so that's so awesome. Like first of all, the um, my hat is off to you for the improv, uh, <laughs> the, the off the cuff improv about the, you know the artistic representations. I think is awesome, and also like you you talked about them destroying six things and for me that goes back to what you're talking about definitions and how i think for me in the definition is at least an allowance for for partial success mm -hmm. and it's like you know maybe 
maybe they got five or six and they leave the table going, oh, if we just could have gotten to that rose bush, I would have set it on fire. Um, so that they, you know, there, there's an, an accomplishment there, even if, if they don't get all six. And, and sort of, it's sort of fun to talk about the, oh, if onlys, which I think is, is great for any player. And then especially if you're thinking of one shots as something that, for someone who rarely plays, they're going to have a, still have a positive experience. Or if you're trying to draw someone into role playing, and yeah, yeah. you know, next time I'm going to get them all. Kind of, they'll come back to the table. Um, Absolutely. But I think that is really important and, and really smart that you set the game up. Um, you know, with kind of a here's a checklist. Get get as many boxes as you can before the guards catch you. I, I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I. It, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I think, and maybe this can be the segment of the show where we talk about the benefits of one-shots, and we can draw on our examples. So I think one of the biggest benefits of a one-shot is this, like you're saying, this opportunity to draw in people who have never played before, or who want to play, or are curious to play, but don't want to make that long commitment to a, you know, a 10-night adventure, or some of these, you know, ongoing with no expiry date adventures that like you just kind of start and they go on forever. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if that if you have things to add to that. But I, for me, I love using one shots for that purpose. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that that there's, I think there's a list of things that they're useful for. But anything like for 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 one offs with with people who don't regularly play. In, in my experience, it's 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 often been family, like on, on holiday occasions, mm. um, and that adds adds yeah. to the memories from those occasions, which I, I think is great. And it's low commitment. If you if you abide by the three hour benchmark that we talked about before, it all it all goes back to it's it's a way to give someone that that joy that they're otherwise not going to get. Um, and it's I, I do think it's a, it's a special kind of happy. Uh, when you get to cast aside any sort of limitations, uh, you know, not worry about the job, work, whatever, mm -hmm. and, and and be a hero. And and not even, you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, is it about being a hero or is it about surviving this this gloomy dungeon? And again, that's another thing that's maybe it's not so much about being a hero, but just the, the chance to try, just the chance to adventure. Um, yeah, or the opportunity to be somebody else. Sometimes, yeah. even if that person finds themselves in an even worse situation than you, it's just being somebody else, and that can be fun. That can be a breath of fresh air. Also, I think that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you talk about thematic games. I see that as another benefit. Um, you know, as we go down the list of the things that one shots do well, the opportunity to have a Halloween one shot or a or a, christmas one shot or a harvest festival one shot or you name it any kind of seasonal adventure or game that's thematic i think one shots do that extremely well you don't have to worry too much about how it integrates into the rest of the game or how it integrates into you know, the impacts of why is there a winter festival in my game that's like a pirate game and <laughs> you know there isn't really snow but i want to have a i want to have a northern snow climate adventure hey, let's make it a one shot so it gives you as the game master i think uh, a nice flexibility to just do something different do something yeah. that's not the norm 
yeah, if you're already if you're anchored into an ongoing campaign world, it, it's it's hard to get distance from that um, in sort of a credible way. If you're trying to take the same players who are who are anchored into that world into the a totally different experience narratively, how how do you make that seem realistic? How do you maintain immersion? That that, that could be that could be tough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are there other benefits or or perks that you can think of? I, I, there's so many of them. Yeah, I mean, I think you get maybe you you round up a player who's finally willing to give the DM a break. That's or GM a break. That's that's a yeah. definite benefit. Maybe you have a player who wants to try being a game master without the you know the full commitment, and it, it's great for them too. I from the player perspective, I think another thing that I find is i mean i anything i write has has pre-gens and you can take them or leave them for for characters but the the player comes to the table and knowing that it's just going to be three hours maybe for some they get a little more reckless but i i feel like at a minimum there's less meta consideration of i gotta keep my character alive mm -hmm. um so i for for some at least i think it really allows for an even fuller immersion so if your character is the reckless barbarian you can fully embrace it and kick down go ahead and kick down the door be that exactly how you imagined it without the hesitation of oh you know i don't want to I, I don't want to drop out of this campaign yeah because at yeah. most you're going to lose 30 minutes and you know watch the rest of your your friends play the rest of the game and so i do think um kind of in that limited context it can enhance immersion which is kind of neat yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. It's a wonderful opportunity for players to maybe lean in a little harder, take some risks. Take if they're not usually that kind of player, uh, like you're saying, try a different character archetype. Yeah, I've yeah. tested out so many characters first in a one shot, and then I was like, eh, you know what? That idea wasn't so good, or the opposite where it just resonates with me and i'm like oh my gosh i can't wait to see what else i can do with this character uh same goes for npcs by the way but yeah 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 oh so much fun so much fun to do that there was one character i i i was playing in it was a charity one shot actually not too long ago i think it was like three months ago maybe less than that with jess the human was running a charity one shot and we were all playing vampire hunters. And uh, I got to play, now I can't remember his name, I think it was Flint. Flint or, no, Cinder. Cinder, the vampire hunter, who had this obsession with burning everything. He just, like, I think it's a vampire, I'm going to burn it. I think that thing is corrupted, I'm going to burn it. But then one of the, uh, one of the characters introduced in the game was a, was a boy was a 12 year old or 13 year old boy who was sick and who was kind of like central to the to the infection of vampirism in the town and that's where i'm like okay cinder is gonna have a soft spot for kids and he's not he's gonna want to protect this kid mm. but i didn't get to fully explore that in the one shot because it was a one shot so i just like i'm just chomping at the bit to get the opportunity to play this character again and to explore why does he have that soft spot? Does he have kids? Did he lose his kids? And now, anyway, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I'm, 
completely speculating live on air. But <laughs> but yeah, that I can't wait to play Cinder again, and it's because of that one shot. So one shots make for great characters. No, and and um, yeah, just in terms of things you might reject or like like you just described. I mean, I I just play tested one with an old friend, and by the end, he he's like, I want to play this character more. <laughs> uh, so you know that and that would be uh, a challenge moving forward maybe you know kind of integrating it um into his home game he's he's somewhere else and i mean we'll see how that works but mm-hmm. yeah it, you can fall in love in three hours with your character there's no question about it yeah well, absolutely absolutely okay so i'm looking at the time and i want to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff oh, sure sure so sorry. let's let's keep going but before we do that any other big pros that we want to, you know, want to sing the praises of one shots that we maybe forgot to do up until this point. Um, break for the DM, DM says. I, I would say the only other thing is if if you've got one in your back pocket, sometimes if one player doesn't show up, uh, it, it's an option. I know some people mm-hmm. just prefer to do board games. Some people just prefer to do a happy hour at that point. But depending on your comfort level with saying this happens in the multiverse or you know, uh, someone went out to the woods to go to the bathroom and got kidnapped by the mists of Ravenloft, and and those are the people running the adventure. If you're comfortable with that kind of stuff um, as part of your campaign, they they can serve that purpose as well. Absolutely. You know what? I'm glad you said that because that is something that I've done in the past, mm. um, and I've actually used one shots as a way to meta storytell to my table. To, to to provide exposition to my table, um, I think they it works really well. I know mean, we were singing the praises of one shots on their own, but I think one shots in combination with an ongoing game is a whole other ballpark. Uh, in a in an adventure that has since been put on hiatus, it was a pirate campaign. My party was a one of the factions of pirates. They had their own boat. They had their own crew. They had the whole shebang, and there were other pirate guilds that kind of, you know, got introduced into the game by virtue of playing it. And I just wanted to know more about those characters. I wanted to know more about the, the white Ravens, the crew of all female pirates who had their banner being an albino Raven. I'm like, that's so cool. I want to know more about these characters. I made a one shot for that, for that, for that faction. So that when somebody was sick or somebody couldn't show up i'm like okay guys you're putting your characters aside and tonight you're playing the white ravens and they were like what do you mean i'm like i want you guys to be the white ravens you're going to be the captain you're going to be the 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 master of arms you're going to be the uh like the lookout let's go you're going to go find the artifact that they delivered to you five games ago Let's see how that works out. So, I mean, it was kind of on rails a little bit because they knew that they ended up with the thing that they were after. But uh, it fleshed out these characters so much more. It fleshed out the story. And now there was like this really cool affiliation and and bond that my players had for these characters that uh, didn't exist before. Now Now they care about the White Ravens. They care if that faction gets hurt because they've lived they've lived in the skin of them so um that's yeah that's that's awesome and i just um that that brings something to mind in in terms of of integrating with you know like the campaign that you've got going on 
I think this is kind of similar to what you were just talking about, but if say you have five players at the table and you know, you're going to have an extended absence, like you're down mm-hmm. to four for six months, um, you can kind of rogue one it. Like if, if your campaign is, is star Wars and, and say, just for an example, say the objective that the full uh, complement of players is, you know, they're going to the bottom of the, of some horrible dungeon at the end of the day, you know, they're traveling to the keep and they're going to the bottom of the dungeon to get this artifact. Um, well, maybe there's a backstory of, you know, four other adventurers who, who somehow managed to get that artifact out of the abyss and to that bottom level of the dungeon. And so in those six months, when you're down a player, you can have four people play that. And, and it, it does, you know, you do brush up against it, you know, being somewhat on rails, but you can tell that story and it be part of your game universe, um, important history in your game universe. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So cool. So cool. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. I, I think that's such a cool example. And I, I hope people listening try it. It's, it's, it's really fun. Uh, let's talk now. We talked about what one shots do well. I think it makes sense to talk about what they do less well. So, what are the, some of the, the 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 things that we should consider as game masters and players when we're running or playing in a one shot? You know, keep in mind some of the disadvantages so that we can try to optimize them. What what would some of those disadvantages be, Joe? When I um, kind of defend one shots most of the time in in arguments in my own mind. But I, th- I think one of the, the biggest things that you you see occasionally is is people talking about it's just not as they don't get as in- attached or as involved as they do in a full campaign. And I, I think my my response to that is that it's it's a fair point. But just because you can't go through kind of the full Lord of the Rings, you know, three movie travel to Mordor. You, maybe you can't save the entire planet, but you can still save a town. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people who are enjoy kind of the hero aspect of, of role playing, you know, just saving a lone child, going back to that example that, that you were talking about before, is that is heroism. And, and you can mm-hmm. plug that into a one shot, no problem. Um, so that for the people who, who really play for that kind of feeling, I, I think you can you can still get it. And then for for people who like to, um, uh, I don't even know if old school is the right characterization, but people who, who love getting loot and collecting gold um, and kind of dungeon diving, that can be a little bit more complicated, I think, because at the end of a one shot, what do you, if you're not playing that character anymore, like what was the point? And like what I like yeah. to do for those kind of players is pit them against another band of people who love loot um, so there's this competitive element where i think you get to preserve what they enjoy about the game you know getting gold but kind of bring like a, a timed competitive element into it to so they still have enjoyment well we got more gold than them they can say that at the end of the game even though nobody's keeping that gold after it's over yeah 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 absolutely i i think you're yeah that's a good point especially i feel because a lot of those kinds of games lean heavily on the like resource management or and I mean HP and spell slots and and weapons that can break that to me that's all resource management right so y- you 
kind of have to worry about the balance a lot more if that's your focus is we're going to have a one shot and it's going to be a dungeon dive and you know you're not going to get 15 floors in mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in in three hours so yeah there's definitely that consideration and can i say that just you articulating that you, you know it's you're not going to get 15 floors in i think it's it's so important like in, in terms of like um potential weaknesses of one shot I, I think I, I've seen some amazing, you know, GMs struggle like on, you know, streams and stuff to 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 wrap them up in time and, and mm-hmm. to kind of have to fast forward through the story or or the kind of obviously nerf monsters. Um, and these are people I don't hold a candle to in terms of storytelling ability. But I I think I think one of one of the issues is that GMs should take the the burden off themselves to some degree i think a lot of times and this happens in a lot of contexts like we we put it all on us well just talk to the players before and be like this is going to be three hours um Mm -hmm. you know you're going to have to make some fast decisions if you know if if you if you feel like i I don't want you to feel like you've been been cut off or anything like that but this is going to to move faster than maybe the games that we've played before and, and just make sure you have the buy-in because i mean some people might not like that but it, yeah i agree with you just I, talk to the players before and, and that's really important right especially in the context of a group if you know the players you know all of this this guy's a planner mm-hmm. he's gonna you know if if i don't put them right in the action from the beginning it's gonna take them 45 minutes just to open the door and go in so these are the kinds of things that, yeah, absolutely. You have to trim the fat off of a lot of parts of the game or at the very least position the players in a way that like the fat isn't even there. Um, and like you're saying, talk to them, let them know, make sure that everybody's on the same page. And I think that that's something that is super important in all contexts, mm-hmm. but I, you know, let's not, let's not dive too deep into that because people on the show have, have heard that from me and from others before, but yeah, absolutely. So one other thing that comes to mind when I think about the weaknesses of one shots, Joe, is it happens to be kind of all the auxiliary things that have to do with playing the game. So things like learning the rules, uh, creating characters, and and having kind of those components associated to the one shot. And I think this is especially true when you're playing a new system, because you know it, it is a perk of the one shot is that you can use it as an opportunity to introduce a new system to your table or to the people that you're playing with. But at the same time, you know, when you only have three hours, you don't always want to be spending too much of your time talking about the rules of said system. So that can be a challenge. I think that people have to think about if you're trying to optimize your time at the table, things like pre-generated characters, things like using systems that are built for one shots things like 10 candles or fiasco or some of those like micro rpgs that that are quite literally all the rules are written out on one or two pages those i think are the ones that people should focus on if they're looking at exploring a new system in a one shot space i don't know if, if that says anything to you no i i think um i think that's a great point i think if you're at a table trying to introduce 
five brand new players to something they've never done before. I mean, you're you're ice skating uphill at that point. I think a lot of times, you know, one shot it can be great when you know a few players have have played the system before, and this is a, a different adventure. And a, you know, one or two players are are new at the table. That situation, you know, kind of makes more sense. And like I said, I I um I like pregens too, which is also obviously going to save time. I think in in any system, uh, like to give them like you know a two sentence background, and and go from there. And I I think the best you can in terms of you know players getting attached to their characters. Um, you know, one thing I I I kind of like to try, even for a one shot, is you know you're not going to have a session zero or anything like that. But I like to you know, if they have the pregens, they know their two sentence background, and then just so they they get attached. If, if you text with these people, if you're on that kind of relationship with them, be like, "All right, your character is being bothered by a mosquito in their apartment. How do they react?" <laughs> and and people tend to have a lot of fun with that kind of stuff, and and they get a real picture in their minds about about how their their characters will behave in in certain situations. So you can get a little more attachment um, by doing something like that, which I like. But it yeah, is. and and Joe, you, you said something that I I'll disagree with. Um, not to put you on the spot, but I think in a one shot, you you could still have a session zero, and and it doesn't have to be in the traditional sense, right? It doesn't have to be the let's sit down for two hours and talk it out. It I I would recommend that people create a group chat or create some kind of you know email thread, and at the very least share the big themes of the one shot that you're going to be running, especially if you're like running a horror one shot or you're running something that has the potential to be something that could cause stress or anxiety for somebody that's participating in the game. And there's a lines and veils document that people can find for free online. And it's basically just this checklist. It's real easy for people to fill out and you just kind of go through it and you'd say, these are topics that I'm okay with green light, or these are topics that, I rather not include, or you could include, but do it off stage. Or these are things that are hard stops. Please do not include. And you know, it's got a whole bunch of topics listed out. Takes players. I've done several as a player, and it's taken me, you know, four or five minutes to just, boop, 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 and then it's done. So I, I would encourage folks listening to consider doing that. I, I think it's worth doing. No, I, I'm a hundred percent with you, and I, I didn't mean to um, suggest otherwise. I'm. I'm over here thinking in context of people I play with. And, okay, you know, yes, missing, absolutely. But I, I 100% um, agree that those kind of baseline things can, can still get done, obviously, and should get done. Cool, cool, cool. So those are the weaknesses and strengths of a one-shot. Why don't we now uh, impart the things that we've <laughs> learned from, the mistakes that we've learned from, uh, and the advice that we might have to the people listening? And I guess this is also the part of the show where it's important to give a little bit of a caveat. So as always, the way you play your games, folks, is as long as you're having fun, that's the right way to play the game. Please don't let anything that we're saying or anything anybody else out there is saying change your mind. If you and your table are having fun, that's the right way to do it. However, uh, Joe and I are going to share some of the things that we like to do to have the most fun at our tables. So... I think now is the time of the show where we're going to give some advice. We're going to say things that you could consider doing. Uh, but again, always keep in the back of your head that as long as you're communicating openly with the people at your table and you're, you're being open, honest, 
and straightforward and or, or forthcoming, I guess. A anyway, if you're having fun and people are safe at your table, you're doing it right. Let's let's go on to our advice, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I um no, it's 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 great because I I think we we've touched on a, a lot of stuff already. I I would say I have like um, three things that that personally I I find for for me to effectively run uh, you know close to to necessary. We've already talked about two. One is you know talking to the the players up front that this is if you know they've been playing in a long campaign this is going to be different i'm trying to land this plane in a set amount of time three hours and and, and that's going to be how it's run you know less you might have some less time to make yeah, decisions yeah. than you're used to etc like that conversation what um, let, let's go ahead in, in a very actionable way joe what kind of behaviors do you find disruptive in a player when you're running a one shot or, and I mean, disruptive may, is maybe a strong word, but what kind of things do you think if I'm a player listening to today's episode and I'm going to go play in a one shot, what are things that I should try not to do or things that I should try to do to help my game master uh, land the plane, if you will? Well, I, I, I think the biggest thing is, is, is after that, that conversation, I, I would just ask that the player internalize it. I do think that the rest kind of falls on, on me running the game. I, and there's tricks that I have that I, I, I could talk about um, to to make it to make it so, that, you know, the plane lands. But just so they know, I really, you know, everyone's there to have fun and, and enjoy. And they might be used to taking a lot of time to make a decision. Absolutely. You know, I play, I have an ongoing campaign uh, with five lawyers. And it is <laughs> it is fun, and on um, I, I really enjoy listening to them go back and forth about what they're going to do about this door. But I mean, obviously, it can it can flow into analysis by paralysis, and that you, you cannot yeah. have that. And just all I just in terms of a player, what can they do? Just just understanding that the the guards are going to you know show up and. You can't you can't be frustrated that the, the the dynamic in the game seems to seems to have changed after we have that conversation. If you know if I've conveyed it clearly, um, if if you buy in, just just buy in. That that's all I would ask from the player. Um, okay. And then one thing that's I've but, said that goes with that, Joe, that I've told my table once before, and I think I'm going to start doing it more often. But I'd, I'd be curious to know your position on it. Is telling them to think of the game in three acts: the introduction, the development, and the conclusion. And I find that providing them that structure does one thing really well, but it removes another. It it makes their spidey senses go off to pay attention for oh, you know what? This is the end of the first act. This is the end of the second act. Matt is trying to wrap this thing up. So I'm going to participate in doing that and not actively bring up new things that kind of like derail us from, from closing it out. The, the, the issue with that is it can remove a little bit of the, um, what's the word, immersion a, li a little bit. Like it, it, it's letting them behind the, the curtain, I think, quite a lot. So that's something for people listening to consider. You know, if you're playing with a lot of people who are game masters or people who have played the game for a long time, uh, they probably won't mind, or may maybe you should ask them if they mind. I don't know. It something to consider, anyway. That's fascinating, Matt. I um because I 
use in in my mind i consciously use a three-act structure in all the ones that i made and i i have never considered um kind of making that explicit to the, mm. the player but i mean that was kind of time management is such a big thing and that was after you have that conversation with them pre-game I, you know my next thing that that i find necessary is when you you have to have a button you can push to start act three that's kind yeah. of how I look at it. If if we're talking three hours at two hours and 20 minutes, I need to be able to start act three. And one of my greatest um, kind of joys in, in making these is finding out how to craft that act three button in a way that that maintains immersion and and doesn't doesn't rob the players of agency. And I think um, one of the, the easiest uh ways to go about that um one of my my go-to's frequently is sort of natural events um like an earthquake and mm. and the thing that the thing that's so important to do is is let them know that the earthquake is coming maybe that's their whole purpose like maybe that is you know part of of what underlies the one shot is that they have to prepare the town for the earthquake so they come into the adventure knowing it's coming. So it doesn't seem like, you know, like like railroading or whatever. In fact, that it's their whole purpose to prepare for this event. Maybe, you know, when the when the moon is full or when the eclipse happens, they know all the undead are gonna arise from, you know, all these burial grounds north of, of town. That is gonna happen. You know, let them that that's kind of the purpose of the adventure to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Uh and you you kind of build up around that and that's not that's the start of act three and the way in my view the way to kind of maintain agency is you know in act two allow them to make whatever decisions they want to make in terms of preparing for the earthquake and whatever horrors it it might bring i don't know if they're level 20 or you know a tarasque is going to pop out who knows but their actions still matter because the actions they take in act two to to board up the windows to evacuate the town they get to see the results of that and their decisions still matter but that event you can start the end of the adventure by bringing that event and it's i i think that's critical to time management and that that's something that i use absolutely yeah i'm, I'm happy you said that because yeah it is kind of part of the way that i design mine as well is to have these three acts uh making the third the second act is usually like you're saying where the players have all the freedom to do anything they want kind of within the confines of the of the you know the space that the sandbox yep. that has been provided to them yeah 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 uh other other things other ad- recommendations or advice that we might have for people looking to run a one shot what I, would I, you say i i think it's important especially um in the limited time frame for the the player and I guess by extension, the character to understand their their progress a little bit more, like almost have mm-hmm. progress bar. And that's why I loved your example of the the six different depictions of. I'm sorry, I don't remember <laughs> if it was a king or a prince. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was royalty, but but you know they know how, how they're doing. Like, oh, three down, three to go. We've got this much time. Look at so to kind of quantify progress as best you can. I think is, is helpful, and that that also stimulates decision making. If it's if it's vague, if it's amorphous, just destroy as much as you can. 
that's not as good as here's there's six things in the garden in, in my view yeah yeah it's a good point yeah. making it clear a, a tool that people can use actually i've stolen this from blades in the dark they're called progress clocks the things that you draw out on your battle mat or what or you know on a piece of paper or what have you and it can be like it's like a pie chart you know you can have you can have six or eight or whatever pieces of the pie and as things happen you fill it in and you can have a progress bar for the the you know the the amount of valuables you have stolen you could have a progress bar for the level of alert for the guards of the manch of the manor you know and and as it fills in because they've maybe made a fumble or they've made a mistake that that fills in and the the level of alert goes up things like this by visualizing and making explicit pieces of the game like you're saying joe it helps the people playing the game to kind of clue into that stuff because they, they need that to make their decisions uh and and to be a little bit more spontaneous i think uh there was another thing that i wanted to say about one shots and i think my advice and maybe this is gonna sound a little bit mean is like you can be a little mean <laughs> as a game master when you're running a one shot i think right you especially when you're playing uh like dungeons and dragons or something like this you're playing a game and that that has this level progression and people are coming to the table with like a fifth or tenth level character they have so much power <laughs> these characters have so much power that i think for the game for the stakes of the game to even be realistic as a game master i know i have to crank up i have to crank up the challenge rating a little bit because otherwise it's not going to be it's not going to be satisfying for my players it's going to feel like a walk in the park so yeah i don't know i don't know how you feel about that joe but <laughs> that's i think without question um <laughs> you can be mean or <laughs> i don't even know if that's the right way to characterize it but i i do know that yeah i would say i'm a little bit meaner in what i draft and, and part of the uh, and again this is another thing where you want to know who you're playing with and, and talk about like of things course. that might happen in the game but um i think most of what i make would come with the disclaimer like you, you might not make it out of this one alive um and and i think that is one of the joys of it. I don't know if we really talked about that yet, but it's like because the player, we did talk about the players leaning in more and kind of the flip side of that is that they might die if they're leaning into the barbarian role or the, you know, the, the chaos. And, and, and I think that's fun. Mm -hmm. um, I think that could be a fun, fun break from just not worrying about, I guess as a, as a GM, you're not worrying about killing them so much and they're not worried about dying so much. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. Um, another, another thing that I, th I think we should talk about a little bit is preparation. I think D like one shots, D and D one shots or any system for that matter, I think might need to be prepared in a different way. At least in, in my experience, when I prepare a one shot, I'm preparing it in a vastly different way than a regular game. I, I wonder, Joe, if that's the same for you. And, and if it is, what kind of differences uh, you think are worth mentioning? Yeah, gosh, I don't even know. It's 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 so hard to compare, and I I'm doing it, you know, now, um, mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of hard to articulate. I, I guess the if I was just a, a consumer who who bought like a a one shot, you know, module or something. I mean, ideally, it's it's something you read the whole thing and and know the whole thing, um, and that can 
that can sound uh, challenging, but it, it shouldn't be that long of the document. Um, at the same time, I think it should provide enough background. You know, even if, if you're doing a, a one shot in a haunted mansion, that main ghost, it should provide at least a little bit of background about that main ghost that I think anchors the GM in a spot where they're comfortable improvising because they know mm -hmm. the motives. And, it, you know, maybe the, the whole house has a motive in a sense in terms of what it wants the fate of the players to be. And before you start that one shot, you, you really want to know that, what the, what the motives are. So, yeah, I, I, it, it, it's different because you're not just preparing for just this session. I mean, it's the whole, it's the whole enchilada. And I would, yeah. I, I, in that, in that respect, it is worth thinking about, obviously, some potential outcomes of that act three and, and how you might like to, to narrate them um, so that the, the players have a satisfying experience and you're satisfied with, with sort of how you closed it out. Um, and a lot of times, like, I don't know, like one of the things that I, I, I like to do at the, the, the end end is maybe the player, if the player stumbled on like a magic item or, or got some kind of loot that is, is relevant to the one shot. If you just ran a, a one shot that was where the players were constantly facing the threat of, of drowning or floods, find a way that they, they walk away from that with like a ring of water breathing or something like a memento, you know, mm -hmm. a, a memento for the character to, to have and whether or not they, they choose to, to move on with that character. Um, there's that little extra element in preparation of like, okay, how would I put a bow on this? How am I, you know, in the last five minutes, what's something that's going to be really satisfying for them? I really like that. I'd never considered doing that, like giving them some kind of reward that maybe never comes back to the table ever again. Yeah. Or maybe it does. Yeah. That's really neat. Well, it's awesome. And if they choose to pursue that, that character, right? If they choose yeah. to go on with it and you're able to integrate it in the game, that character, the character, you know, when they're sitting around the fire can tell an NPC or some other adventurers about, about what they experienced, how they got that ring. So it, it's a potential way to integrate, but, but either way, I do think um, sort of knowing how you're going to handle that last five minutes is, is critical in a way that, that isn't with um, an ongoing campaign session. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I, I think, I think it's also, you know, one of the similarities being the, the, the start when I run my games, whether they're for a one shot or for um, an ongoing game, a lot of my focus tends to be in the start. You know, what are we what are we doing in the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes of the game? Because that's where I do a lot of my setup. And I think that that setup, whether it be for immediate payoff in a one shot or long term payoff, I think is important to prepare and spend a lot of your time preparing. And like you're saying, Joe, it also ha when you're coming to the end, you got to pay particular attention to that. Uh, one of the differences that I I think it might be worth mentioning and we, we might have brushed up against it at, at some point is the inclusion of a variety of elements of the game. So when I'm preparing for a one shot and I'm sure you do too, Joe is I want to make sure that my party has the opportunity to be presented with, you know, each of the pillars of the game because it's supposed to be kind of like this condensed version of the game. So you have to have, I think there ought to be a fight. There ought to be uh, a, a social challenge, a social encounter of some kind. And there ought to be 
a little bit of exploration where the players get to wander around and, and make decisions about which direction to choose based on based on the variety of factors. Whereas if I'm preparing for my regular game and you know there's no combat this session, ah, whatever, there may, maybe there'll be one next time. So I, I feel like that's something that I pay particular attention to is to make sure that you know you get to taste everything that the system the game has to offer especially in the context of running it for somebody for the first time or you know seasonally they're only playing for christmas time or whatever a hundred percent and and that's why like i mean for me and i don't even know if it's 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 fair and it's certainly not something that not everyone might subscribe to but like for me that's in that was part of my definition you know like when we started the yeah the three, yeah you're right the yeah. The three elements are critical, and I think a lot of a lot of that can can go into Act Two, especially if you have a hot start with combat, um, sort of the exploration and NPC interaction. You know, a lot of that can happen sort of the sandbox, uh, middle two hours, and then um, you know Act Three. I, there's a lot of different ways to to wrap it up, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. You did include that in your definition. I forgot about that. <laughs> Um, one piece of advice that I would give folks listening is there's um, there's a lot of content out there on the five room dungeon and it's I think it's a dungeon design principle. But to me, the five room dungeon pretty nicely encapsulates, you know, the, the components of what would make for a good one shot, I think, because it, it touches on a lot of these things. So I would recommend folks look up for articles or YouTube videos or whatever on the five room dungeon or the formula for five room dungeons and, and try to see how you can incorporate that into a different kind of space, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a dungeon, but how you could incorporate that into a fun sandbox for your players with a driven objective, with the, the, the different pillows of the game, with a good wrap up at the end, and voila, you have yourself you have yourself a one shot or at least the good bones for one. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's, that's a great idea. I mean, just anyone listening who, who hasn't uh, had a chance to read uh, the five room dungeon stuff. I've, I've read reverse five room dungeon. I mean, there's so much out there, so much great stuff on, on YouTube um, that can work for, for any game. But, but that is a, that is true. I, I do think it contains a lot of what, what you would need for a one shot. I've never thought about that before. That's cool. Yeah, because I mean, in theory, if it's just five rooms, <laughs> that's probably all your players are going to get through in yeah. a one shot. <laughs> Realistically, it's five rooms. Um, maybe more or less, but uh, at least my players, they sometimes they struggle to get through five. So, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the clock, Joe, and I think we've been talking about one shots for a long time. Uh, I'm sure we could talk more about them as well. So uh, I think it's kind of time to start wrapping up the show. But before I do any of that, did you have any final thoughts that we haven't covered yet? Things that you feel like really need to be mentioned that uh, you know I, we didn't get to in our conversation tonight? Yeah, I, I would say um, the only thing that comes to mind, like, you were just joking about my players or your players. I was joking about mine. There's all the memes out there about the, the 20 session one shots and everything. And uh, there's grains of truth and all this stuff. But if anyone, if anyone is considering, maybe they want to try to, to create one and run one 
please do. I mean, th that's all I would say. And and don't buy into the noise that it, it can't be done um, be because it can. And a lot of fun in the creation and the running is is figuring out how to make it happen. And you know as well as I do the you know the amount of creativity that we're around in these circles. I have no doubt that that people listening can 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 pull it off when they're you know GMing entire campaigns. Please try it if if you have an interest would be what I'd want to say. <laughs> yeah, that's well said. I think people should try it and I think they should consider you know consider that it's different. It's a different muscle that you have to flex. It's going to feel harder, I think. At least for me, the first few one shots I ran and prepared for they were my own. They, I, you know, I created my own one shots and, and they were very difficult. And I don't say this to discourage you, but I say this to kind of manage your expectations because it's one thing to go into an ongoing game, kind of have a couple of cool, interesting topics of, you know, interesting points for you to bring up in that game and maybe some cool factions that you've seated before. But in a one shot, you're kind of going into a dry. You're going into a dry, you're coming out of a dry. And you don't really have a whole lot of time. Whatever you think you have time to present to your players, cut that into a fifth. Mm. And that's that's actually the amount of stuff that's going to happen in that one shot. So I, I find that it's really different. It's a different muscle and it's it's a good muscle to flex. It's a good muscle to learn how to flex. Cool. Good. I think we're I think we've said what we've had to say at the very least about, about one shots. Now for the fun part, Joe. Let's say it all again in like two and a half minutes. Oh, you're gonna quiz you're quizzing me? <laughs> yeah, I'm quizzing you. It's pop quiz time. It's uh it's wrap up time. So what did we talk about today, Joe? What did we what did we say a one shot was? Let's start with that. I think we, we settled in on a one shot being um a a three hour session of and and an adventure that that included uh, sort of the three pillars: NPC interaction, slash role play, exploration, and combat. So three hours and those three elements uh, seemed to do it for us. And I, I I think I might have tried to inject in there that the players have to have opportunities for different levels of success. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I. You know what? We didn't say it then, but I'm gonna say it now too. I think we're gonna say three acts. So okay. I think we're three hours for three acts. And what was the other three things? There was another three thing. Um, the three pillars. The three pillars. There yep. you go. That's that's your one shot there. Um, I think that yeah, absolutely. And then after we finished talking about that, we were we started giving some stories and advice and things. What were some of the big takeaways from today's conversation, Joe? Sure. Um, in in terms of advice, in terms of things that I think are are sort of critical, at least in my experience, talking to the players ahead of time, sort of about we're going to be operating under time constraints that may be different um, than what you're used to. The Act Three button is is very important to me. This, you know, it's 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 a lifeline. No matter what your players are doing, whether they're kind of dawdling all around or have done a bunch, you have a device, something that can happen that will get Act Three started depending on preference for me, it's at like 30 minutes before I want to end it. We already mentioned opportunities for partial uh, success. Um, other advice, I like the hot start. That helps with time management too for act one. 
Uh, I like to introduce uh, sort of narrative mechanics to press decision making, such as, you know, having the player go to the bathroom, or it could be needing to go to the bathroom, or say, like with our earthquake example, the ground trimmers more and more and more, making like ability checks harder and harder and harder, so that they understand that the passage of time is working against them. Um, and I yeah. think we, we'd like them to have a, a also a, a visual idea of their progress. Uh, so they can see how they're doing something, you know, explicit that they can turn to to see how they're doing, such as destroy depictions of art in your example. And uh, finally, I'd like to give uh, mementos, character loot, and not just give it, like have, have them have opportunities to, to find things that that might be reminiscent of the adventure, um, whether or not they choose to press on with that character. Very awesome. Yeah, and, and I think the only thing that I would add is and you might have mentioned it in a different way, but having objectives, have a very clear yes. objective for your party uh, so that they know what they're getting themselves into and you're putting them right into the action. You know, don't don't dawdle them. Don't have them dawdle their way to the thing that they have to do. Put them in front of it or put them in a space where they can get to it very easily so that, you know, there, there's no there's not too much deliberation about how they're going to enter the castle or how they're going to. Um, how they're going to find their way into the dungeon. They're there. They're in there. They're going at it. Um, 100%. And that's that's rooted in time management too, I think, which is like kind of almost yeah. the whole ball game with these. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope the folks listening had as much fun as I did. Joe, your advice and your stories and your perspectives were fantastic. Thank you very much for being here tonight. I wanted to also let the folks know listening that they can find you and all your content and they should go find you and all of your content. I'm going to link it all uh, in the podcast description, but for those of you who have a better memory than I, Joe, why don't you let people know where they can find you and let them know about, you know, upcoming projects that they can look forward to. Sure. Uh, um, everyone can, can find me at the one shot mill. Uh, I, I'm on Twitter uh, under that at the one shot mill. And as, as far as content, um, I'm sure as a lot of people know, things are a little bit up in the air in terms of systems and how uh, we're going to be publishing content moving forward. So I've, I've got some <laughs> couple adventures ready to go and I'm just kind of waiting to see how things pan out. Um, and as soon as I know where I'm going to put them up, I'm going to put them up and uh, I'll let, I'll let people know. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, do let us know and we'll make, excuse me, we'll make sure that the people listening can find that. Um, so yeah, thanks again, Joe. I really appreciate you being here to talk to me tonight. Um, any parting words for the listeners? Uh, not much. Just um, like I said, try it if you're interested. Uh, create with kindness. And uh, I, I look forward to to talking to anyone who's interested. <laughs> awesome. Cool, man. Thanks again for being here. Thanks, listeners. Hope you have a good uh, hope you have a good commute or a good workout or whatever it is you're doing. And let's call it a chat. So this is the time when you usually hear the outro music, but <laughs> but like I said, this is the one hundredth episode of Roleplay Chat. So what I did was I reached out to a number of the previous guests who've been on the show, and I asked them to provide us 
with a reminder of who they are and where we can find them, and also a piece of advice that they'd like to share as it pertains to role-playing games, be it advice for game masters, advice for players, advice for content creators or writers or podcasters, or you name it, any kind of creative outlet in this space. So, without further ado, let's listen to the wonderful words of wisdom of the previous guests of Roleplay Chat. Hi, Matt. It's Jess, the human. Um, I just wanted to say congratulations on 100 episodes of Roleplay Chat. This is an amazing feat, and I am very proud of you, my friend. Um, if I had to give advice to players, GMs, um, just people who enjoy TTRPGs, my advice would be that if you are having fun at your table and everyone is safe and feels comfortable, you are playing the game right. It doesn't matter if you're following the rules. Um, heck, those are guidelines. Make up your own rules. It doesn't matter. Have a fun time um, with the people around you. That is the best advice that I can give. Again, congratulations. Hey friends, this is Shannon from Paradise Productions, a TTRPG variety streaming channel. I'm the community manager for Paradise, as well as a cast member. You can find us on Twitter at Paradise Pro and all other socials at Paradise Prod. That's P-A-R-A-D-I-C-E. And you can find me at SRoby25 on all socials. Congratulations to Matt for reaching 100 episodes on the podcast. That is an incredible accomplishment. If I had to share one piece of advice for folks looking to become better role players, I would encourage folks to try a character voice, do some cosplay or makeup for a character, make a playlist of songs that remind you of a character, and always, always, always have an open line of communication with your DM about your character's story, goals, and mindset. Congratulations again, and may the dice be ever in your favor. Hi, this is Bodhi from Homie and the Dude. We are the best father and son TTRPG and MMA team across the multiverse. You can find us at Homie and the Dude on all of our socials. First off, a huge congratulations to Matt for reaching 100 episodes on the podcast. We were so stoked to be one of those episodes and had such a great time chatting to you. So thank you so much for having us on. We really, really appreciate it. Um, one piece of advice that I would share as a game master is um, in the moments where you're weighing up something amazing happening, you know, a cool moment happening for your players versus the mechanics of the game, it's okay to change the mechanics or put some rules aside to benefit the story or, you know, make something awesome happen for your players. So I would definitely say lean towards, you know, the importance of a really good story and like lots of fun as opposed to mechanics heavy. So if you need to change some rules, do that so that it fits your story, uh, what you're telling, and also so that everyone at your table is having loads of fun. Rules are just guidelines. They're not strict, hard rules, let's be honest. Um, other than that, um, just thank you so, so much, and uh, congratulations again, Matt. We really, really appreciate it. We look forward to hopefully joining you um, on the podcast again some other time and chatting to you soon. Otherwise, thanks, brother. Hey, this is Jared from Monsters and Multiclass, and I just wanted to say congratulations, Matt. Getting to 100 episodes is no small feat. I would know, as you'll have to about double your pace if you want to catch up to us before we hit 200. Anyways, if I had to give any piece of advice to a game master, it would be to talk to your players. Ask them after sessions how things went. If you tried something new, get their feedback. And just overall realize that if you're making a game that you 
and your players are enjoying and continuing to go in that direction, then you're doing a great job and you're just going to keep making the, the most amazing memories. So don't sweat if things didn't go correctly, just worry about what can go better for next time and just keep improving. Hey, this is Shelly Mazenoble from Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Matt, I am so excited for this incredible milestone. 100 episodes is an amazing accomplishment. You continue to inspire your listeners, including myself. I can't believe I'm saying this, but because of people like you, I am a dungeon master. And the best advice that I can give anyone who is thinking of or very frightened like I was to try DMing or GMing is this, just ask for help because this community is full of very experienced and generous gamers who love offering advice, especially on how to get started. And please don't worry about the rules. The people who make up the rules for Dungeons and Dragons actually told me that. You don't have to worry about the rules. You can also make them up. Um, this is a game of make-believe, so go for it. Just do whatever feels right at your table. Don't worry about tripping up. Just, uh, just make it fun. And if you can, DM for kids. They're an excellent audience. They are very honest, and they will throw everything they can at you, which ends up being this really good uh, improv training. And if they come back to play, then you know you did a great job. So, Matt, congratulations again, and cheers to 100 more episodes. Okay. Three, two, one. Hey, hey Matt, Matt, and, and Roleplay role Chat fans. <laughs> <laughs> of course it works like that. Of course. So... <laughs> <laughs> We're Double DM, a TTRPG talk show podcast that dives deeper on your favorite topics and also the creators of a new D&D 5e actual play podcast called Titan's Call. And we are here to say congratulations, congratulations on, on 100, 100 episodes, episodes of Roleplay role Chat. As for the GM advice I would like to give to the Roleplay Chat fans is to be more focused on that one thing right in front of you at the moment while whatever doing at TTRPGs, be it prep, be it game session, be it even just talking with your players about it, but be attentive about what is in the moment right now and what is important right now. And take your time with that. Don't spread your attention too thin to world building NPCs, maps, combats and everything while only one thing is gonna happen at a time. And don't forget to listen to your players. Ask questions and have an open talk about nearly everything that regards your game, your table, and whatever else. Because TTRPGs are not a thing where one party creates something for the other part. It's more like a collaborative thing where you as a whole table create something amazing together. So keep that in mind. And thank you, Matt, for having us on your show and coming on to ours as well and starting this awesome friendship we have enjoyed ever since. Here's to your next 100 episodes of Roleplay Discussions. Hi there, this is Koa or Koa the DM on Patreon and at Koa DM on Twitter. I just wanted to say congrats to Matt for reaching 100 episodes on this awesome podcast. It's so amazing to see such a talented and wonderful individual reach this milestone. If I had to share one piece of advice for folks looking to become better GMs, I would say, honestly, pay attention to your players and what makes them excited. Players remember having a ton of fun, and if you can understand exactly what makes your players excited, whether it's awesome combats, integrating their backstory, or getting 
getting them in near TBK experiences, putting more of those situations in your games that are tailored to the player experience will always make them appreciate you more and make for a more fun game. After all, TTRPGs are games and we're playing them to have fun with our friends. So get out there and have some fun. And again, congrats to Matt for this sick milestone. He's such a kind and thoughtful content creator and he absolutely deserves all the success he's garnering. Hi, this is Luna. You might remember me from my long-running stream, Tales from the Tavern, or maybe you know me from my work on Shadowmain.com, a TTRPG site including interviews and commentary about all things TTRPG. You can find me at GamermomLuna on all socials. Congratulations on 100 episodes. It's a lot of work and accomplishment to be proud of. If I had to share one piece of advice for folks looking to become better game masters, I would encourage people to remember that GMs are there to have fun too. Make sure the game is fun for everyone playing. There's no right and wrong as far as the rules go. There's only having fun and not having fun. So get accustomed to the basics of the rules, but don't memorize everything. If you get into trouble, don't spend forever figuring out the rules. Go with the ruling that makes sense and figure out the details later. You can keep the game going that way and not get bogged down. Be kind to each other and happy gaming. Hey all, this is Star Shinobi. You can find me on Twitter, at StarShinobi, as well as on the Waffles Maple Syrup Pathfinder 2E Actual Play, Outcast and Outclassed. I just wanted to take a moment to congratulate Matt on 100 episodes of Roleplay Chat and for teaching us all different ways to improve our TTRPG games. From plot hooks to mechanical tools to ways to look at combat, Roleplay Chat has brought us so many ways to look at the hobby we love. But most importantly, Matt has always emphasized what I believe is the most important skill of any player or game master, making the game fun for everyone at the table. No matter what TTRPG you're playing or the type of story being told, listening to your players and doing your best to create a fun environment for all involved is what makes a great game master. Knowing mechanics, being a world builder, and creating epic combats are great, but as long as your players are looking forward to playing again, you're doing a great job. So thank you, Matt, for helping us create this fun and improve our skills. And congratulations on this milestone. We're all looking forward to the next 100. Now, roll for initiative. Hello, 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 hello. My name is David Tilstra. I'm the Dungeon Master for From Afar Podcast. Uh, and I'm good friends with Matt over at Roleplay Chat. And first of all, I wanted to say a huge, huge, huge congratulations to making your 100th episode. That's honestly freaking amazing um uh super proud of you man and super honored to call you a friend and to have seen you at pax met you at pax and and collaborated with you in the past it's been uh it's been an honor by far the best part of this whole ttrpg community and this whole journey with from afar podcast has been uh meeting amazing folks like you and seeing how awesome you are <laughs> so Congratulations on your 100th episode and a piece of advice that I would give to podcaster, TTRPG, enthusiast, whatever, would be just make the thing that you're, that you want to make, like, just do it, just get out and do it. Like, don't, don't wait till you have the right microphones. Don't wait till you have the right X, Y, and Z. Just get out and do it. Honestly, you're the only one who can tell your story and you're the only one who can do that thing that you are trying to do and no one else is going to do it for you. So if you really are passionate about writing something, about DMing something, about 
making that podcast, doing that voiceover thing, whatever you whatever it is you're trying to do, no one's going to do it for you. And the hardest part is that first step. And after you make that first step, the rest are all a lot easier. Trust me. So that would be my advice. Get out and do it no matter what. And once again, Matt, congratulations. You're awesome. Hey everybody, it is Derek from the How Not to Dungeon Master podcast. You can find me at linktree.com slash HN, the number two DM. Number one, huge congrats to my buddy Matt for reaching 100 episodes on the Roleplay Chat podcast. What a milestone. Amazing advice and inspiration from tons of different people across the TTRPG community, one of which includes myself. If I had to give a piece of advice to game masters and dungeon masters out there, it would be to communicate with your players. Nothing beats good communication between sessions, during sessions, after sessions, because that is how you set the expectations with your table. That's how you find out what is and isn't working, what they like, what they don't like, what they want to engage more with, where they expect the story to go and where their characters will go, etc. Keep the communication up via text, via Discord, via however you keep up with your players, and make sure that everybody is always on the same page, having a good time. To wrap things up, again, super big congratulations to Matt and to all of you faithful listeners out there. Here's to the next hundred. Hey Matt, this is Tom with Modern Myth. You can catch us over on YouTube at Modern Myth D&D. Just wanted to say a huge congratulations, man, on hitting 100 episodes. That's an awesome milestone, uh, and I've learned a ton from the pod. Um, the advice that I would throw out to DMs out there is to find opportunities to run no prep sessions. You'll learn a ton about uh, your strengths and weaknesses in improvisation. You'll sure a lot of those up. Uh, and it's really a great way for you to begin to think about improvisation from a narrative standpoint, not simply from uh, an accent, mannerism, kind of the typical improvisation that we are expected to deliver at the table. Uh, amen. Uh, huge congratulations and uh, look forward to seeing so much more coming out of the uh, out of the podcast. Cheers, brother. Hi, this is Ron Ogden from The Dungeon Run, a live in-studio actual play program at The Dungeon Run on all socials. Congrats to Matt for reaching his centennial episode on the podcast. One piece of advice for anyone looking to up their game as a player or game master is to focus on the other people at your table. TTRPGs are improv games at their roots, and just like an improv, if you're always focused on making your scene partners look brilliant, you can never lose. Congrats again, Matt, and as we say on the dungeon run, humankind, be both. Hey, Matt, I want to thank you for having me on one of your episodes. I can't believe you've made it to 100 episodes already. Every episode I've listened to, which has not been all of them, but has been a lot of them, has been an excellent interview. I love your interview style. You're always prepared. You know, it, it's very hard for someone to, to maintain 10 episodes of something as complicated as what you're doing. And to get to 100, just amazing. Uh, some things that I've learned from listening to the episode is um, you can either do too much planning or too little planning, and neither one will suffice. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I overplan and I use 10% of the plan. I know people who do no planning and run out of, and never run out of ideas. So I think it's all up to the individual. 
Thank you for Roleplay Chat. I've had an amazing time listening to it and being on it. And I think you're a wonderful person and you do great things for the community. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for your kind words. And I should mention that that last message was from Scott at Zealzaddy, who makes all kinds of amazing streams and tabletop RPG third-party content. So yeah, that's that's it. That's the 100th episode. Thank you, everybody who sent in a message. I'm humbled and so grateful that I got to spend time interacting with you in the tabletop RPG space. You make this a better space. And listeners, you also make this space a better space. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it weren't for you. So I wanted to thank you for listening. Thank you for your kind reviews. Thank you for everything that you've done to help support this show. I love doing it and I love interacting with everybody who listens. So that's it. That's the 100th episode of Roleplay Chat. Let's cheers to 100 more. And hopefully each episode is better than the next. Thank you everybody for being part of this journey with me. I look forward to seeing where this podcast takes me next. You can support it in one of two ways. You can support it for free by following me on Twitter at roll underscore play underscore chat by sharing the podcast with your friends, with your gaming table, and spreading the word, the good word of roleplay chat. Or you can provide a review for the podcast. If you give me a five star on iTunes or Apple Podcast or a five star on Spotify or Podbean or whatever platform you're using, it really goes a long way to help the systems recommend the podcast to new and interesting audiences. So please, if you haven't reviewed the show yet, you can do that. If you want to support the show with your dollars, you certainly can do that as well. There's always going to be in the show notes of every episode affiliate links. So you can click on those to buy uh, miniatures. You can click on those to buy a content from DriveThruRPG, dice, things like that. And a percentage of those purchases come back to me. I also have a Ko-fi account where you can provide me with a small amount of money every month to help support the show. Buy me a coffee, buy me a beer, <laughs> or something like that. I'm really hoping to get a better microphone, so that's kind of my, my current objective here with the money that does come in from the you know, odds and ends of the various folks who support the show. That's going to come together to buy me a new microphone for the podcast. So anyway, thank you for being a part of this journey, and I look forward to seeing where it takes us next. Cheers, everybody.